when we check the soil of our hearts, oftentimes they're full of assumptions. Let's have a look to see what the word has to say about people who made and still make assumptions about the soil of their hearts, about the receptivity we have regarding the word that is Christ Jesus. John the Baptist challenged the Pharisees' assumptions, saying, Don't suppose, don't presume to have Abraham as your father. What was the assumption? The assumption was is that we're in because we've got Abraham, so they worship their genealogies, right? If I can trace my lineage back to Abraham, I'm in. So John the Baptist said, don't presume to have Abraham as your father. Didn't Moses say, unless your presence goes with us? See, because the problem was Moses understood that as human beings... We make a lot of assumptions, and Moses knew that the only thing that was going to distinguish Israel from all the other peoples on earth, the presence of God. King Jesus challenged the Pharisees' assumptions reading regarding Scripture, saying, You pour over, you scour the Scriptures, thinking that through them you have eternal life. See, the problem is, the assumption is that if we figure out, if we memorize enough of it, if we've got the stories, right, Jesus is going to be really impressed with me, with us. Oh, I can tell you all about Jonah and the whale. I can tell you about all the different stories of the Bible. I even know some songs that go along with them. But there's no skill. There's no success without surrender. So Jesus says through the word, prodigals, the real inheritance isn't the cash, isn't the stuff. The treasure is the relationship. So the father says, come home. King Jesus challenged assumptions saying, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, right? They're not going to be saved, but only those who do what? The will of my father. See, there's no magical prayer, there's no ceremony or ritual, there's no incantation that gets us in, because everything that doesn't come from faith is sin. King Jesus challenged the Pharisees' assumptions regarding outreach, saying that you guys will even cross over land and sea to produce a single convert, and when you do, you make them twice the child of hell that you are. See, you're building escalators that simply speed up the path, the road to destruction. I desire obedience more than sacrifice. King Jesus challenged the Pharisees' assumptions regarding tradition, saying, you're experts at sidestepping God's law for the sake of your own tradition. You nullify the word of God by the traditions that you've handed down. It's really sad And so what Jesus did in telling the parable of the soils, sometimes it's called the parable of the seed, sometimes it's the parable of the soils. What he did, the summary is up here, is that the seed is the word of God. And what do we learn in John chapter 1? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. See, Christ is the word. So the seed is the word, the word is God, that's Christ Jesus, 
And the soil is our receptivity to the word. And the point of Jesus' parable is the fact that there are a lot of different kinds of soils that produce nothing, but there's only one kind. There's only one kind that produces an abundant harvest, a good crop, 30, 60, 100 times that which was sown. So the question is, how can we know, right? If we make assumptions about our faith and our religion and our relationship with Christ, and we walk around assuming that we've got it nailed down, but the heart's deceitful above all things, are we really sure? How can we know? Because Jesus doesn't want us to walk around guessing. He wants us to know. What do we look for when we examine ourselves to see if Christ truly is in us so that we're not found counterfeit? Proverbs chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. My son, if you take hold of my words, not just accept some translations read, but take hold, grasp. And you see the slide up there of a man grabbing a hold of his bride's hand, making a promise, I'm never letting you go. Treasure up my commandments within you. Not just store up. Anybody have anything stored in their attic or in their garage? It's just one step away before it ends up as trash on the curb, right? Not just store it up. But treasure it if you align your ear to wisdom. Not just listen passively, right? But align like those satellite dishes. Align, lean in. Stretch out your heart to understanding as if your very life depends on it. That hand off the edge of the cliff. Take my hand. Stretch out. If you cry out for insight, anyone ever lose a child? Maybe looking at that picture up there of that little kid lost in a crowd. Maybe it makes moms and dads with little ones. It makes your stomach turn a little bit. makes you a little nauseous, and it should. Cry out for insight. Surrender your voice to understanding. See, when we surrender our voice because we've been crucified with Christ and we no longer live, we surrender our voice. It's no more about my opinion, about my preferences. It's about what matters to God. Verse 4, if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure, not checking an obligation off of a list, or like Gollum in the Lord of the Rings, my precious. It's for me, right? I'm going into God's word for the promises and the blessings that he has for me. Doesn't that sound a little selfish? See, it's really about being invited into a relationship with God that my cup runneth over. There's no shortage, as Payton said. So we don't have to be like Gollum. We don't have to hoard my precious. What we do instead is that we go out to a lost and broken world and we say, come, come to the waterfall, the fount of every blessing. And when you do and you bring your cup, it will runneth over. There's no shortage Then, God says, you will discern the fear of the Lord, discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives skill from his mouth, knowledge and understanding. He stores up 
success for the upright. When you look at that slide and you see that giant dam with all of that water, it's not even a comparison to the blessings and the goodness and the success that God has stored up for us in heaven. There's no shortage. J.I. Packer has a quote that's up there on the board, on the screen. It says, if I were the devil, one of my primary aims would be to stop folk from digging into the Bible. But just a moment ago, didn't Jesus just chastise the Pharisees? You pour over, you dig into, you scour scriptures, thinking that in them you have eternal life. So where are we going with this, Pastor? See, the problem isn't what they were doing. The problem was why. Why are you doing it? You assume that by them you possess eternal life. If it's a selfish endeavor, right? If I'm going into the word because of what I'm going to get out of it. If I cease to be a priest in God's kingdom, then I'm not doing what it is that God desires for me to do. I'm not acting like someone part of a holy nation. J.I. Packer goes on, and he's speaking now as if he were the devil. And he says, And if any still interested on reading it, that scripture, I should lure them into assuming the benefit of the practice lies in the noble and tranquil feelings evoked by it, rather, rather than in doing what scripture actually says. It's not just about you. It's not just about us. It's not about the noble and tranquil feelings. It's about doing what scripture actually says. Otherwise, we've missed it. We end up just like Israel. We end up in exile and captivity. We end up just like the Pharisees, and we miss him completely. And then it's just a matter of time, right? It's just a matter of time before we walk away from God in disappointment. It's just a matter of time before we begin to plot and plan to murder him, to eradicate him from our lives. It's just a matter of time before, like Judas, that we betray the king of eternity for a few pieces of silver. It's just a matter of time. So are we? Are we demonstrating wisdom, skill? Are we actively passing out invitations to the wedding banquet of the Lamb to everyone? Or are we just taking the invitation that God extends to us, putting it in our pocket, and sitting on it, waiting for his return? Are we? From the inauguration of his earthly ministry, King Jesus preached a very simple message, didn't he? Didn't he? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. That was his message. And then he spent three years explaining it. Three years. When I yielded to God's call to pastor this church, it's coming up on almost four years now, November of this year, all of my friends were who, who were in ministry, everything that I read, they said, when you step into a new church, don't make a bunch of changes. Obviously, if there's stuff that's really, really bad, you want to change that. 
And so I came in and I waited for a little while, about six weeks in. The one immediate change that I made was the service time was at 11. Sunday school was at 9.30. And we had about five people showing up on a regular basis to Sunday school. Three of them were teachers. It was pretty dismal. And so what I did is I flipped them. I made the service time first, and I put the time of study and discussion, we now call table fellowship, afterwards. I did it out of obedience. It was spirit-led. And the reason why is because our hearts, right, the human heart, it so easily becomes hard-packed. It's short-sighted, it's shallow, and it becomes riddled with worry and the cares of the world. And in that parable, Jesus said that that's not the good soil, right? There's only one kind of soil that actually produces an abundant harvest for God. And so when we give in to all of the worries, when we give in to the pressure of the world, what ends up happening is that our soil becomes hard pack, and the enemy comes along, and he takes the word away. So our rhythm here at PBC has been, from almost the very beginning, is to hear the word taught and preached in here. And then we go out into table fellowship to discuss the word in small groups. And then the third step is to take it out into the world, right? Because if it just stays here, What have we actually accomplished? Noble and tranquil feelings? Boy, what a good day. Can't wait till we do it all again next week. The response from one person in the congregation at the time was, I want to go back to the old way. The old way we were doing things, Pastor, because I feel like we're just rehashing the same thing you just covered. I don't know about you, but when I heard those words, it broke my heart. The idea that something that was just preached and taught, that it's already become stale, and you have no desire to discuss it and talk about it for iron to sharpen iron. We're just rehashing the same thing you just talked about. Ouch! But before we, before I, go throwing stones... I want to bring up the fact that during the kids' message, I said that I'd give $100 to the first person who could follow a simple but detailed list of instructions to the letter. I don't know about everyone, but some of you at least did what? What were the things that you said? Y'all said it. Paid attention, aligned your ears, grabbed your pen, I want to make sure I get the list right because there's a hundred bucks on the line. Then when the sermon began, what happened? Anybody tune out, put their pen away, not bother to bring a Bible today? Or better yet, to bring one as a Christian accessory? I brought my Bible. Kind of like Barbie with her Malibu Barbie surfboard, right? Barbie's not going surfing, is she? (laughs) She's not going surfing. She's not going in the water and messing up her hair. Barbie's not doing that. We all know it's all just for show. Maybe it's because there's no real perceived value. Maybe it's 
the receptivity of our hearts has been tainted because of our assumptions. I've already got it all figured out, Pastor. No need to take a note. No need to write anything down. I've already prayed the prayer of personal salvation. I've already asked Jesus into my heart. I've already invited him to be the boss of my life. I've already invited everyone to my baptism. There's nothing really going on today. I've already graduated from Kidsmen. I've already gone to youth camp in D-Now. Already made a personal decision. I've already got my Standing with Israel sticker. I've got my cross in my front yard. I've got all my get into heaven free boxes punched on my card. Now it's time to get on with my life. See, when King Jesus said, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter, but only the one doing the will of my Father, he said, he prophesied the way that we would respond. The way that we would respond is that we would say, Jesus, but didn't we? Didn't we cast out? Didn't we prophesy? Didn't we perform? Jesus, you forgot to look at our extensive resumes. We assume that our volunteer status, our going on vacation, I mean going on mission, our singing in the choir, our tithing faithfully, our showing up on Sundays, we assume that all of those things meant something to King Jesus, to which he emphatically stated, away from me, you working in lawlessness, I never knew you. Does that bother anyone? So are we taking hold? Are we treasuring up? Are we aligning our hearts and our very lives? Are we stretching out as if eternity is on the line? Are we crying out for the lost, the deluded, and the disillusioned? Are we surrendering our voice, our preferences, our opinion, and heralding his? Jesus is king. Does it translate into our seeking and searching as for hidden treasure? If we are, why? Is it because we desire to make every effort for him, his will, his glory? Do we, do you truly desire above all things to see the banner that is King Jesus waved above every nation and people and tribe and tongue? Is that your desire? Do you desire skill and success as part of his bride to make it happen? If not, if not, and we can be honest, right? We can be honest because there is no condemnation in Christ. I'm not standing up here preaching condemnation. I'm standing up here preaching life. Abundant life in King Jesus. 
If not, if we don't have that kind of skill and success in our ministry, he invites us to do what? To ask the King of heaven, the God of glory, who is Father, Son, and Spirit, invites you to ask him. And his word says that he gives generously. He stores up an unlimited supply of success for those walking in obedience. Those who are given over to Christ, seeking to advance his kingdom to the ends of the earth. So today, this time of invitation and response, the question is, not just how will you respond, but will you respond Will you ask? You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore Every heart that is broken.